0: Welcome to the Facts Versus Feelings Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sonu Varghese. Cutting through the noise in 30 minutes each week with Ryan Dietrich, Chief Market Strategist, and Sonu Varghese, VP Global Macro Strategist. Taking out the boring and helping investors focus on what really matters. A quick note before we start the show. Investment Advisory Services offered through CWM LLC an SEC Registered Investment advisor. Carson Partners, the division of CWM LLC, is a nationwide partnership of advisors. Today's podcast is brought to us by our friends at YCharts. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the second to last of the year, not ever, of the year. Carson's Facts versus Feelings podcast is Ryan and Sonu. Sonu, this is episode 64, sponsored by our friends at y Charts. I like this title, by the way. We kicked we almost spent five minutes coming up with a title, and then you just said something randomly. We use it. We're calling this one "Good News" is good news. It's a season for good
1: news too, right?
0: Yeah, there's there's a lot of reasons I think there for some positive things out there and to feel good about things, and we're going to talk about um, many of those things. So again, we are actually recording this on Friday, December eighth, right after the jobs numbers came out. So we're going to take a look at that employment backdrop and kind of what's it mean and. Spoiler alert, looks pretty good, right? Looks pretty good. Then we're going to also talk a little bit about the Fed, talk a little bit about the economy, and it's been a good deal of time kind of just markets in general, right? This is a year-end rally that we think we're going to have and why it can still happen. So those are the things we're going to talk about again in episode 64, Good news is good news. Now, Sono, I will start with this. On Monday, I'm having a very minor procedure. That's why we're doing this a little earlier. So I want anyone to let me know by the time you listen to this. Hopefully, I survive, first off. (laughs) I'm getting Inspire. So Inspire, I do wear a, a CPAP for sleep apnea. And that's a big mask and you, I travel all the time. It's this big box. I got to go through security. Half the time security wants to look at it. I don't know what they think it is, you know, maybe BOMB. We're not allowed to say that word inside an airport, but they think <laughs> it's something weird and I got to show it to them. So inspires like a minor surgery where they, yeah, I know they, a minor surgery, they put it inside of you and you push a button and you can breathe without snoring and breathe better at night. So I know you're going down the path of maybe getting a CPAP also, correct?
1: My, you mean my wife has sent your wife me down is making you? <laughs> yeah, she's making me yeah. go down the path because I don't know. I'm I'm not, I'm not the one yeah. who. But maybe I'll get better <laughs> sleep from everything you've told me. Other people have told me it's you know sounds like, you you get better sleep. So hey, I'm all for that.
0: Maybe two or three times a year, I don't use it. Maybe I'm traveling for one night. Say, you know what? I'm just not going to bring it. And I'll tell you, I, I wake up a couple times at night. I have to go to the bathroom because I wake up from snoring. And anyway, yeah, it's it's life changing. And, and we'll see. Uh, hopefully, everyone doesn't tell me after they listen, to this, don't get inspired. It'll be too late by the time you <laughs> by the time you hear this. But hopefully, and, uh, that'll work. And I don't have to travel with that big thing. Anyway, all right. Well, let's get into it. So, both no, of us go have
1: surgery on Monday. I have one too. <laughs>
0: Um. Well, we didn't do a good job there, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but hopefully, we're both fairly minor surgeries. We yes. should. We should be. Uh, yes. We should be okay. But that is very true. Both under the knife at the same time. Um. We've really no knife for you. But nonetheless, we we'll, we'll don't need to get into it. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, that's a good point. Hopefully, we'll <laughs> leave it at that. All right. Anyway, uh, so th- it just came out a little bit ago. You've had an hour and a half, almost. Well, you've had almost two full two hours. hours to type yes. in. Plenty of time to figure everything totally. out. That monthly jobs number came in. Kind of, honest to goodness, I don't have the numbers written in front of me. I know you do a little bit better than expected, and seems like business as usual. What'd you find when you dug into the jobs number that just came out?
1: It was very good news. That's uh, you know, I, I think that's a gist of it, right? And mm-hmm. just to put it into context, where were we before we went to this morning, before we got that report? Where were we, right? Uh, the Damn. unemployment rate had gone up from 3.4% back in April mm-hmm. to 3.9%. That's the context Mm -hmm. in which this is happening. Usually the unemployment rate goes up, you know, there's cause for concern, right? Now we talked Mm -hmm. to Claudia Sam last month. She put the rise in the unemployment rate in really good perspective. If there's one person who you want to talk to about this stuff, it's Claudia. She was fantastic. And, At the same time, it is concerning for the unemployment rate to go up, right? Because usually it goes up and it keeps tending to move higher. Good news is the unemployment rate fell, Ryan, from 3.9% to 3.7%. That is excellent news. It just puts, you know, monthly numbers can be noisy, right? But it just puts those fears to bed. I mean, I know it's one month, but, you know, it's one month more that we don't have to worry Mm -hmm. about the unemployment rate, right? Mm -hmm. It's that much further away from 4%. It's that much further away from 4.5%. Where I think you know we really start to get concerned if the unemployment rate is four half percent. We are at three point seven now. That's really good news. Even better, I think, then you start getting the details like, under the hood yeah. stuff, which is actually what's really important more than anything else. What's good is that the other it comes to the other title we were you know batting around before mm-hmm. the call, right? Everyone wants to work, right? More mm-hmm. than five hundred thousand people, right? That's a big percentage. That's about three uh, percent of the labor force. More than percent, uh, 500,000 people came back into the labor force. I should say, sorry, not 3%, three percent but still, it's a large number. No. They all came back into the labor force. They wouldn't do that if they didn't think they could find jobs. And the good news is that they all found jobs. Or, you know, mm-hmm. it, these things are net and things like that. But more people came into the labor force, all of them found jobs. I think that's really the big picture here.
0: You know, as, I'm going to totally, totally take this a different route for a second. We we're talking about like, you know, we're talking initial claims, unemployment. As a Bengal fan, Joe Burrow got hurt. I wonder if he's filing for initial jobless claims right now. <laughs> I don't, poor guy. I hope he's okay. I hope, I hope Joe Burrow's going to have money to get he's through. He's one person. Not he's one insurance. less person working. Yeah, he probably does. One less person working <laughs> is my quarterback, which is not good. Anyway, that's all right. Okay, so um, you know, we made almost five million jobs last year. Ballpark, what are we at now? Like two and a half, two? We're pushing three million this year, right? Yeah. Approximately, it's approximately. I, I think, mean,
1: I think we're closer to two million. I, I can pull up the chart while you talk over here and just to okay. check it. I think I yeah,
0: might, I mean, and one of the concepts here, I'll jump in while you're looking for that then. um, You know, one of the things we hear a lot, right, we get to work with financial advisors every day and their clients and and we hear, whoa, things are really slowing down. Things are really slowing down. There's a recession on the way. We were making 400,000 jobs every month, right? 500 or 5 million jobs, right? By 12. We'll just say 400,000 jobs a month last year. Now we're making 200,000. One hundred fifty thousand. That's bad because it's just going to keep going down. It's just going to keep going down. And our argument for a while, not just in jobs, but yes, in the employment backdrop, is we're more normalizing. We're getting back to normal. That was one of our big themes of our outlook that we released you know, about eleven months ago. talking about getting back to normal. And so kind of, if you get the data, let us know how many jobs we made this year. Uh-huh. But secondly,
1: yeah. what is it? What is it? close? like two? Well, let me guess. Wait, wait, before Can you guess. say, it, Go I'm going to say
0: two, two, two point six one.
1: Oh, 2.55. You're very close. Yeah, but that's how about that? It could, there you you go. could be right after they revised data next month Ooh, as well. But I'm that's hot. 11, hot. 11 months yeah. of the year. 11 months, two and a half million. To give right. you some perspective, before the pandemic, 2019 was under two million. Mm-hmm. Right. Over the last yeah. three months, we've averaged about 200,000 jobs. I mean, there's things, the auto workers strike, stuff like that. Last month yes. was 199,000. Yes. But that's why you look at an average. Last three months, 200,000 jobs a month before the pandemic. The 2019 average was 163,000. Wow. What do we need to keep up with population growth? 100 to 125,000. We almost double yes. that.
0: And let me jump in just for a second. So what's interesting about that, you said we were 163 in 2019. Is that what, what you just said? Yes. Average. Average, average, yeah. just average. And honest to goodness, if you ask most people kind of do this for a living, pay attention. You said 2019. Wow, that's a pretty good year for the economy like yeah. the economy did well the fed was out of the way earnings were there inflation not a problem oh the stock market gained like i don't know, like 30 percent. i mean that was one of the last times things were really really quote-unquote good. good and you're saying we averaged only i'm gonna say only because you know <laughs> recency bias here only 163 and again that's just really powerful i think um with the whole context of what's really happening so new i want to talk about the jolts data in a second we'll explain what that is and get into that but talk to me again we were making 400,000 jobs not that long ago we were making 300,000 jobs 250 mm-hmm. now it was it's been beneath 200 two months in a row last i checked why don't you think it's just going to keep going down it being the monthly jobs data because i'm hearing that tv's telling me we're going to start seeing negative jobs growth sometime middle of next year into a recession why do you think we can hang out you know 200,000 jobs approximately let's just say a good chunk of next year Want to know more about the impact the 2024 election may have on the markets and the economy? We'll be covering everything advisors and their clients need to know in the lead up to election day, including what to expect from the markets, news out of Washington, and what historically happens after elections. You can find all of our 2024 election content at carsongroup.com election.
1: you know uh, i think w- what usually happens and maybe it's because we all follow market follow markets as the line goes up mm-hmm. it continues go- to go up line goes down it continues to go down <laughs> i think yeah. that's what you know so if things are slowing that means things are slowing towards a recession because again like i said line goes down it continues to go down right there's momentum in these things but no the good news is The line hasn't continued to go down. If you brought up the job openings and labor turnover survey, that gives you a little more comprehensive data of hiring, you know, across the month. And this is October, but still over the since July, hiring has actually stabilized, right? Now hiring has slowed from last year. I mean, last year we created close to five million jobs. Okay. That's too, that, that was really hot. There are a lot of people yeah. who needed to find work they did find work this year two and a half million is still strong, but hiring is obviously slowed. We were running at five million per year last year. We've gone down to two and a half, million, probably maybe closer to Ryan's estimate of two point six by the time you know we get december data <laughs> as well
0: that was no that was no estimate I, I I knew what it was. I know what it is No, yeah. <laughs> no
1: so so we, it's been cut in half, right so it, 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 within that perspective, you're like, oh my God, j- hiring has been cut in half. But then it's like two and a half million versus two million, under two million in 2019. That's pretty good. Right. That's still good. And it's like I said, it's stabilized over the last three, four months. And you look at the totality of indicators, you look at layoffs, you look at hiring, you look Mm -hmm. at how many people are quitting their jobs, how many people are coming back into the labor force to find jobs or to look for work. Right. All of that, the totality of the labor market indicators looks positive.
0: Yeah, no, well said. So let's talk about that jolts for a minute, because, again, what I heard a lot from Jerome Powell, when anytime you you throw a microphone in front of him, he talks about the openings per unemployed worker. It was up over two. And I know you and I talked about this a good deal. Uh, it was up over two not that long ago. And that was a concern for him as a tight labor market. Now we're starting to see the labor markets imbalances ease. As recently, so that was one point four seven. Last month, down to 1.34. Again, that's openings yeah. per unemployed worker. It was around 1.2 pre-COVID. So we're, we're not that far away. Who knows? Might get there really soon. To be in pre-COVID levels. Again, what in the world does that mean? And why does Jerome Powell care so much about that going? What I'm going to say is going the right way, which is the way it is has been going for several months now.
1: Uh, Powell and, and the Fed, they're concerned about mm-hmm. supply and demand, right? Yep. If demand is too high, there's not enough supply, you get inflation. That's really the sum of it, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's why they're worried about it. And this applies to goods. You know, there are, you know, there's a lot of demand for furniture or goods, whatever we're buying, Christmas trees, for example. Mm-hmm. There's not enough supply. What do you think? Prices go up, right? Same thing yeah, yeah. in the labor market. If demand is running really hot, and that's what the job openings data measures. I, I, think it's a, I think you and I have also talked about this probably a year ago how that's a very, it's not the best metric, right? The way the Mm -hmm. BLS counts job openings. But nevertheless, it is what it is. It's what the Fed likes to look at. So we have to look at it as well. We can't complain about, you know, we we can't complain, but, you know, we have to look at it, right? Job openings are coming down, which means demand is softened, right? It's still hot because it's still running, you know, job openings are running about eight and a half million, which is much Higher than it was before the pandemic, but that's why you take that ratio, job openings to unemployed workers. As you said, that's running about one point three before the pandemic. It was one point two. Things have normalized. I think that's what yeah. it is. And something that is this gets a little geeky, but but you know, uh, let's try and simplify it. Right, the whole thing about will the will be will the Fed be able to land the plane? You talk about soft landings. Right, and everyone other than co- folks like Claudia, Sam, there were a few people, and I'd like to think us mm-hmm. too, but we're not economists, so take us out. Right, you are not econ- I'm not an economist either. Right, mm-hmm. but you had you know Larry Summers, all these famous economists saying, you know, we need mass unemployment
0: to lower right.
1: inflation. Right, and that means job openings have to come down. Right, if job openings come down, historically, what's happened as job openings come down, as demand for labor goes down the unemployment rate goes up. But what have we seen over the last year? As you mentioned, job openings to workers, unemployed workers, that's Mm -hmm. come down from almost 2 to 1.3. The unemployment rate has stayed below 4%. This has historically not happened. We've been in a unique post-pandemic situation. Mm -hmm. This this time is different is the foremost dangerous words Mm -hmm. to say in this business. But I'd like to think now it'd be after the fact. This time was different.
0: No, no, great, great points there. Just a few more kind of notes that I have about the Jolts report that came out um, earlier this week, or by the time you listen to this, we'll say last week. Layoffs, 1.6 million. So we keep hearing about all these companies laying people off, laying people off. We heard Wells Fargo just put a ton of money back for severance packages and things as they're planning on laying people off. So we know that that's out there in the media. But that, And that was um, up from 1.5 million uh, per month last year. But here's the thing. So new no pre-COVID. Layoffs are running at 1.8 to 1.9 million a month. It's currently 1.6. I mean, it's just hard to think the economy is about to fall off a ledge with corporations really tightening, tightening up and laying people off if you're not seeing layoffs, right? I mean, what about and by the way, only a few people might get this, but when I say layoffs, layoffs, who do you think of? Do you think of Jim Mora? Playoffs, (laughs) playoffs, again. Maybe only a few people get joke that joke, but yeah, I, I thought it was funny. Look, look up Jim Mora, playoffs, and now we're going to talk about layoffs. Anyway,
1: go ahead. Uh, I'll shut up now. Go ahead. I had to cough, so I muted myself there. <laughs> I there you go. Cracked yeah. up, but Look, even if – so layoffs, you mentioned like 1.6 million. That's higher. Yes, it's mm-hmm. higher than last year, 1.5 million. So if that's right. all you're looking at, you're like, oh, line going up, so it's going to continue going up. No, we've stabilized around 1.6 million, right? Mm-hmm. So the line is not going to continue going up. At least it hasn't so far. And then yeah. you put this in perspective. Before the pandemic, we were at 1.8 million. By the way, we have a larger labor force now. So you have to normalize for Good that point. to mm-hmm. compare apples to apples, right? So you take layoffs as a percentage of the employed workforce. That's running about 1% right now. Before the pandemic, we were at 1.2%, 1. 1.3%. 1. Now, it doesn't sound mm-hmm. like a big difference. But trust me, that is a massive difference because the labor force is about 165, 167 million. So 1% okay. versus 1.2, 1.3 is a big number. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've been laid off twice. So when you're in that one percent, trust me, I get it. it. It, yeah. it matters. It, it matters. But again, just overall, um, when you look at some of the the employment backdrop that we're seeing, we're still seeing an economy that's growing nicely, maybe more than what a lot of people thought it was going to be growing, and we still see some reasons it can continue to grow. So, Son, we're probably about halfway done. It's approximately here. Let's um let's go a different route. I mean, what do you want to talk? Want to talk about the Fed a little bit? Maybe we we'll talk about the Fed. What do you want to do? The Fed to finish up with equities, or yeah. I don't care. I mean, we, we we wing this. This isn't very organized. I mean, what do you what do, you, what do you want to talk about?
1: Yeah, especially since this is what the third one we've done this week. <laughs> how
0: yeah, I, I don't even know what day it is. Um, how about this? Let's let's go this route. Let's talk a little bit about inflation because inflation yeah. and the Fed are kind of they're kind of related. So it caught my eye this this week. Um the Mannheim Used Car Index came out. And again, they look at a lot of different used cars that are out there looking for prices, right? And, and what are prices of used cars? Let's not forget used car prices not that long go up over 40% year over year. That was a huge reason we saw not the only reason I get not the only reason, but a huge reason we saw such a large spike in overall inflation out there. Cause again, used cars and new cars make up about 8% of core CPI. So of course it matters. Mannheim's data said. Um, prices on used cars last month down 2.1%. That was after the previous month was down 2.3%. Sono year-over-year is now down 5.8% year-over-year, and it's also down six of the past eight months. It's a long-winded way of saying We're not seeing that yet in the government's work. Remember Shelter? You and I were a broken record like a year ago talking about private data saying, look at Zillow, look at apartment lists. Lower rent prices are here. It's not the government's data yet because the way they look at it, you know, that's just the way the government looks at it. And I'm not going to get into all the weeds there. We said it's coming. Last month, we finally saw Shelter start to crack. My question to you crack to the downside like the private data meant is what I meant to say there. So to my question to you, we're seeing it again. Yep. private data is telling us lower used car prices or lower car prices probably are coming is that going to start to show up in the government's data and why does that matter for inflation next year
1: short answer yes and i think it, mm-hmm. I, I may be in the on the market for a car sooner than later because i just took my car to oh. the side note i i don't know i hope not that's i don't right. i don't want to go buy a car right now because you know we have a car that's 10 years old you took it to the mechanic going to the mechanic is like going to the dentist they tell you stuff's wrong. I mean, what do you know? I don't know anything. Oh yeah. I'm a mechanical engineer, but I I work in computers. I, I don't, you know, know anything about cars. I take them at their word. Same thing with the dentist. He tells me something's wrong in your teeth well, and like then you you just take them for their word and they're like, Oh, I have to fix it now. I have to spend thousands of dollars fixing it too. So, so-
0: let me jump in. I mean, believe me, we want to talk about this. It's important. Remember where we work. Sometimes I go on a rant, we forget what we were talking about. So it's like my dog. I get this new dog, Mabel. I talk about her all the time on this podcast. We take her to the vet. Every time I take her to the vet, they're like, they run her in this test. Run. This. I'm like, this is <laughs> a healthy crazy puppy like yeah. no like like we don't need to spit out i spent like four hundred dollars on just standard stuff and they wanted to do all this other i'm like she's fine like i remember being a kid and here i go i'm the old old guy on the porch off my lawn like as a kid like we never took our dogs to the vet <laughs> they live forever i mean anyway whatever um yeah, yeah. Come go ahead go. go ahead yeah
1: yeah he tells you something's up for the piston ring i have no idea and i'm like oh my god we he say but the nice thing is i i like my dentist and i like my car mechanics so i trust them so he's like you don't yeah. have to sell it now but you know come back in three months after you hit another thousand miles and i'm like oh there we go and, you know so anyway all this to say i made. well no no, no, no you did
0: well you why though what why was your car there you didn't tell us that part what why was your car if, there if, sony what, what happened if, to your car if,
1: it was just a normal service. It was a regular six-month whatever service. It was just, there was nothing wrong with it. Oh, well,
0: I thought someone hit you yesterday. What am I missing? Am I mixing oh, us up? Oh, I yeah, thought someone no, no, hit no. you yesterday.
1: Someone did oh. hit me yesterday. Somebody backed up into my car. Like, I was literally on the phone talking to a oh. teammate. I was talking to Grant here who's on our team. And okay. so <laughs> I was driving back after dropping the kids to school. I Literally, the speed bump. Thankfully, there was a speed bump on this road. And this big, you know, pickup truck filled with stuff. I think it's a landscape or something. Just slowly, mm. slow motion. I, I could say I was watching it, right? On my eyes, I was like, this thing <laughs> is really backing up. And I froze. Oh boy. You know, I didn't you know, okay. no to put it into reverse and put it back. I was talking on the phone, you know, through the Bluetooth. Uh, I wasn't holding yep. my headset or something. But, Ooh, there you but go. The nice thing is, we have in Illinois, we have plates in front. Maybe it's the only good thing of living in Illinois. But no. there, are, <laughs> there are other things about good things about living in Chicago. R-
0: rumor okay. is you have an NFL team. I, I don't know if you do or not. We don't need to go that route. But no, anyway. we yeah, don't. Okay. No. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. no, we have plates in front, so hit the plate, and mm-hmm. that's a little dinged up. Thankfully, it wasn't okay.
0: Worse. Yeah. So I thought you were in the shop for that. But no, nonetheless, no. We, we've gone on a major, major uh, U-turn. So do I don't even remember where we were. That's why inflation. I said remember what we were talking about. Use Please bring us back on task here. Yeah.
1: Inflation, used cars. No, you asked, will we see that what we are seeing in private markets, what we are seeing mm. on the ground, what we are seeing yeah. in reality, will that show up in the official data? I think short answer is yes. Look, inflation, mm-hmm. look, we talk about good news is good news, Right. The labor market is running strong. That's resilient. Wage growth is strong. But the good news on top of that is normally, look, that would be worrying for the Fed. They'd be like, oh, my God, the economy is running hot. We need to keep rates high. Maybe we need to hike even more, right? We're not there. We're talking about rate cuts. Why? Because inflation is lower. Over the last six months, inflation, core inflation, which is their preferred Mm -hmm. metric, excluding food and energy, that's running at 2.5%. Last three months, it's running at 2.4%. So we're there, right? Their target is 2%. Now, the only reason it's above target is because of rents. And we know the mm-hmm. problem with rents. As you said, we've talked ad nauseum about you know, mm-hmm. rents not reflecting what's on the ha- ground. But that's going to happen right. over the next six, eight months, right? So all this to say, I think the inflation problem, at least for now, is over. We don't have an inflation problem right now. And which begs the question: Then why is the Fed keeping rates so high? Because it could go back up, right? So they're going to wait a little bit. I think March is too early for them to cut rates. Right. But I, I think the first rate cut maybe May or June. Markets probably trying kind to. Of, at this point, the market's putting a coin toss probability fifty percent on a cut in March. I think the market's probably getting a little ahead of itself here. I don't think the Fed's mm-hmm. going to cut unless we see a big deterioration in the labor market, which we're not seeing right now.
0: Yeah, and last March when we had the financial crisis, I know a lot or the regional bank financial crisis, I should say. A lot of you listen to this podcast back then. We were one of the few places I felt like everyone else was saying their Fed's going to cut. The Fed's going to cut. We said, ah, not so fast. So again, we're not so sure they're going to cut next March, but there are probably some cuts coming next year, as we've talked about. We mentioned the Fed, uh, just a couple. So, did you hear that ding just then? Did you hear that? I didn't was it was just that. on my end. So I've got I don't understand this. I have teams, which is what we use to talk to each other on. Do not disturb. OK, yeah. to me, do not disturb means when I get a message, I shouldn't hear the ding in my ear. So nonetheless, I just heard the ding. But if you didn't hear it, that's good. But it. anyway, yeah, well, whatever it is, what it is. Um I'm a Zooms guy. What can I say? Or Zoom, Zoom guy. What can I say? Um, here's what. The, here's some things about the Fed. I think I touched on these last week, but that's okay. Let's let's just talk about it one more time. October 2018, Jerome Powell said, "Long way from neutral." They cut soon after. Okay, May of 22, he was asked directly, "Do you see any 75 basis point hikes coming?" Because they were hiking 50 then. He said, "No." We don't, we don't see any 75 basis point hikes coming. So they hiked 75 basis points four straight times, like directly after that, just last week or technically when to this two weeks ago, he said it's premature to think about easing implying. Cuts. So I'm just saying the Fed doesn't always have the best track record. Believe me, I'm not perfect either. We're not perfect. What's but that I think famous it's just
1: a. There's a famous quote around this, right? When the facts change, oh, wow. I change my mind. What do you do, sir? Right? Yes. But, but, uh, yes. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's what, pal. They change their mind. And, and, mm-hmm. They've told us to, they're data dependent. I think there's, there are sometimes issues with that. But for good of us, they've told us they're data dependent. So what do we do? We follow the data and the data is telling us inflation is no longer a problem, at least for now, right? 2025, 2026, we'll worry about it then. I mean, I think our longer term outlook is inflation could be volatile, but for the time being, for the next one year, I think the inflation problem is over, right? And that's what the data is saying.
0: Right. And this is, again, episode 64 of Carson's Facts versus Feelings with Ryan and Sonu. We called it Good News is Good News. You mentioned data and facts and things like that. Next week's podcast, we already did record it because of the holidays and things like that. We we recorded uh, Ed Clissold over at Ned Davis Research, joined us for an amazing discussion. We're huge fans of Ed and Ned Davis, and I think you're really going to like that discussion as we kind of hear what um, Ned Davis is up to in terms of what how they see things playing out next year. All right, Sona, so we covered a lot of things. We covered the jobs market. We covered the Fed. We covered inflation. Um, markets? So, it should be tough yeah, markets? We did a little, yeah, we'll talk more. I said we also covered some rants as we talked about some different things that upset us. But nonetheless, let's finish things up again with markets. Um, and again, famous last words. I get it. But the time you are not are recording this, markets are doing whatever, but small caps. Are really soaring on this jobs data. We've seen small cap outperformance. The time we record, is, I think five out of six days. Um, a good deal of small cap and mid cap outperformance since late October. We have been overweight a uh, little bit small caps and mid caps in the models we run for our Carson partners. Um, you say it was a little uh, uncomfortable in, de- in in the third quarter. I'll admit, but boy, oh boy. <laughs> it's looking a lot better. You want to talk about small and mid caps here a little bit and why we think they continue to lead and why we th- or why they have been leading, why they can continue to lead into next year?
1: I, I think that gets to good news is good news, right? The title of this podcast. I and mean, look, the labor mm-hmm. market is doing well, which means incomes are running strong. Inflation is going down. That means real incomes are running strong. Gas prices are going down. Gas price uh, nationwide average is the lowest it's been all year, below $3.2 a gallon. So all that means there's more money in household wallets, right? So the nominal GDP growth is going to be strong, right? And where do profits come from? Profits come from nominal GDP growth, right? Mm -hmm. And that's going to be good for the stock market. And I think more so, especially if rates come down, more so for mid and small caps, right? I mean, I don't know. If, mm-hmm. I I just looked at the. You mentioned small caps, and I looked at my screen, and my eyes sort of popped. I think like this is, I mean, a point in time, so it could be very different mm-hmm. by the time you listen to this podcast. Yeah. But this is Friday morning, two and a two hours, two and a half hours after the jobs report came out. The Russell two thousand, which looks at small cap stocks, that's up close to one percent, right?
0: Wow had a big day on friday also i know that um last Friday last friday i should say the friday before so so anyway so so that, that's some good stuff we did talk recently in the podcast about the idea of broadening out right we're seeing more participation mm-hmm. it's not just about seven stocks we, we disagree with that the whole time but you know hey sometimes people just don't like to take the time to do the math on this um just this week sona we saw the advanced decline line on the uh, s p 500 so it's a cumulative basis how many stocks going up versus down okay. in other words it's not just seven stocks it's all of them adding up that hit an all-time High, okay. It's just, and that historically, market breadth tends to lead the stock market. You know, we're on record saying we could see a new all time high in the S and P probably sometime early next year in the first quarter. We're only five percent away, so that's not making some a wild call. But again, we've been in the bullish camp. Now, another one that Sony got me. So we're we're flirting with all time highs on the Dow. We're like, as the time you are not recording it's less than two percent right. away. So now the S and P is about five percent. But I looked at times the S and P went a long time without a new high. Remember. January second, twenty 2022, the first trading day of 2022 was the high, the last time we hit an all-time high, and we've been, you know, rough times since. Uh, Nonetheless, I looked at previous times when at least one year without an all-time high, and then what happened after you made it? So, again, this triggers when eventually we'll hit an all-time high, which we think we will eventually, someday here, Uh, hopefully sooner and later. But since 1950, Sonu, with one year without an all-time high, what happened next when you made one? higher one year later are you ready for this 13 out of 14 times an average return of 14.9 percent. take note your average year gains about nine percent you're higher about seven out of ten times on just an average anytime so yeah markets usually go up but my point is so when we eventually hit all-time high that is not a reason to panic that is not a reason to sell you know talk to your advisor make some good investment decisions but i think my take is hey The fact we haven't made a new high in two years could be a really good thing Mm -hmm. because once you finally make one, you start making more going forward. You want to talk about that a little bit?
1: I love that. I I mean, I would just – I always boil it down to momentum begets momentum. Look, if you had a choice between no momentum in markets versus momentum, pick momentum, right? It improves your odds of seeing positive equity markets and and across the board. Earlier in the podcast, I said, line goes up, that means it continues to go up, right? And literally works yeah. I mean, on stocks. But that's why I think we sort of extrapolate that to economic data. It doesn't quite work the same there too, I, but it works in markets, right? Of course, at mm-hmm. the same time, I, I put this out on X or Twitter, whatever it is. Uh, yeah. I, I basically linked to your blog talking about exactly this. And I said, momentum begets momentum. And some smart aleck on Twitter replies, or does that mean we keep going to infinity? No.
0: Hotshot. Mm. <laughs> well, I have a confession to make. That was my burner account. I just like to screw with you sometimes. No, that was no, that's not true. No compliance. I don't have a burner account. It does not um, Anyway, um, it's got kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, so some other things that just to point out, right? I know we have a lot of financial advisors that listen to this. Just some things to talk to your clients about. We just had um, the eighteenth best month ever for the S and P five hundred last month, up eight point nine percent. I looked at the previous twenty best months ever, Sonu. One year later. Higher 16 times, that's 80% of the time, up 13.3% on average. So again, better than average returns going out a year when you have a huge up month like we just did. Think about that. One more, and I might have mentioned this last week, but no, I didn't. I, who knows? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I'm gonna, doesn't matter. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because I don't remember. So you probably don't matter. We're going to mention it again. Last Friday, so to, so the December first, December first, we had over sixty percent of all components in the S and P five hundred made a twenty day high. What in the world does that mean? Well, it tells you there's a lot of buying pressure. It tells you there's a lot of stocks that just went higher. That's kind of obvious. It also just you know puts a hole in the argument only seven stocks are going up and when you have that uh thanks to our friends at ned davis research for this one with their data going back to 1972 when i looked when you have this trigger sonu 12 months later s&p is higher 18 percent on average higher are you ready for this 15 out of 15 times i just listed Boom. three three different stats along with an advanced decline line make an all-time highs. that's four different reasons to me and to us that suggest again hey you can fight this market. You can argue about all these things that are happening. There are some bad. There are some bad things happening. Turn on TV. There's lots of stuff around the world that's happening that we don't like, right? But the truth is, the stewards of assets, looking at this from a purely facts versus feelings point of view, with the money that we run for our partners and their clients, we remain overweight equities, and we still think that for investors, 2024 might be pretty good. We're not going to give away our views yet on 2024 with our outlook, but. You probably have some clues where we're what we're thinking. Uh, so we're probably about at the end. Anything else you want to add? What do you think about next week? What are you looking for next week um, that can move markets?
1: I'm trying to think. You put me in a quandary here because now we are recording Uh-oh. this on Friday of payroll reports. So this is we're recording December 8th. OK, the, Met, yeah. the podcast is going to come out on Wednesday, right? Wednesday morning. Yes. This one. yes. I, I, if I have these numbers right in my head. So which means Wednesday is a Fed meeting. That's what I'm looking forward to. Like, oh, how, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wednesday is a Fed meeting. That's going to be. I, I mean, we focused on the Fed goodness for three years. I mean, but it's important because rates are high, right? Rates are really tight. Policy is tight. Inflation's coming mm-hmm. down. How are they going to guide us to, you know, how they think about where policy may go, right? Like they update their projections, called the dark plot, right? Their projections for what GDP is next year, what inflation's going to be next year, and based on all that, where policy rates will be next year. Right now, they've penciled mm-hmm. in. Two rate cuts for 2024. I think the big thing I'm looking at is, do they increase that to maybe three or four?
0: Mm, got it. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I think we have CPI also next week, right? Tuesday, I believe. Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. So that's something by the time you listen to this, the CPI report might be out, but we'll, um, we'll obviously break that down on CarsonGroup.com. I'm sure someone will do a blog or two on that uh, next week. And again, just remember this. I'll, I'll kind of finish with this. If you look historically, the first half of December, you know what happens? Stocks don't do all that well. In fact, they're flat on average as of December 15th for the month of, of December for the S&P 500. But wait a minute. I thought you told me December is usually a good month. You might say to yourself, it's true. December is usually a good month. What's that tell us? Most of the gains tend to happen in the second half of the month. We don't think this time might be any different. Maybe after a five-week win streak, and who knows? Maybe you listen to this will in theory be on a six-week win streak. Probably not, but we'll see. But we've had a heck of a run since those October lows. A little consolidation, a little catch-your-breath moment would be perfectly normal here. And again, then like the likelihood of a, a decent-sized end-of-year rally is possible. By the all way, right, so with all, I go just, ahead, go ahead. I
1: just realized this is the last recording of the podcast we're doing in twenty twenty-three
0: yeah the last episode will be the one with ed but this is the last one we're recording um yeah yeah so and, that, and that's something
1: yeah happy holidays merry christmas to everyone happy new year and say well you and i are going to talk i know so
0: <laughs> yes and happy hanukkah all that, that started off so the hot yeah. the see this tis the season the season is here and we um good news you know if you listen Yeah. If you listen to this podcast, feel free and give us a review. And also we have an email where you can email us facts versus feelings versus VS facts versus feelings at carsongroup.com. Let us know what you think of the podcast, ways we can improve it, change it, or things you don't like, and maybe we'll try to make it even better. So with all that, this again was episode 64 of facts versus feelings sponsored by our friends at Y charts. Um, with Ryan and Sono. we title it good news is good news. We'll see everybody very soon. Take care. Thank you information provided on facts versus feeling for some of our and ryan Dietrich are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual the statements and opinions of show guests may not be reflective of cwm llc or its affiliates past performance is no guarantee of future results all indices are unmanaged and may not be invested in directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Guess on facts versus feelings are not affiliated with CWM LLC.